final text covering Jesus' public ministry. Two weeks ago, we, uh, well, I intended to preach this entire text, uh, but we got hung up on, I think rightfully so, uh, in that place in this text uh, where Jesus says um, that we're not to cling to this life in the world. In fact, we're to hate our life in this world. Um, he, he compares his life as a seed planted, a grain of seed that dies and is planted and then bears much fruit. And then he says, so too, just, just hate your life in this world. Um, Because he says, if you cling to your life in this world, you will ruin it. A fresh translation might be something like this. A person who is in love with one's own self ruins it. But the person who hates one's this worldly self preserves one's true self thereby into deep and lasting life. Infatuation with self and the ways of this world crowds out God and ruins any possibility of deep and lasting life. Positioning ourselves with Jesus against the ways of this world and even against our own selfish ways enables us to live the life Jesus wants for us. So that's where we got hung up. In the next part of this text, and the rest of this section, Jesus talks cosmically about his crucifixion. God speaks to Jesus audibly, and Jesus gives us general instructions for how to follow him as Savior and Lord. Jesus talks cosmically, God speaks audibly, and Jesus instructs generally. So this is John 12, 20 through 36. Among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks, They came to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, this whole group, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies... It bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it. And those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, there my servant must be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will also honor Now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. 
The crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Messiah remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? Jesus said to them, The light is with you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, so that the darkness may not overtake you. If you walk in the darkness, you do not know where you are going. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become children of light. After Jesus had said this, he departed from them and hid from them. Jesus travels to Jerusalem for what will be his final Passover. He joins tens of thousands of people for this week-long celebration of God's steadfast love and faithfulness. Philip and Andrew bring some Greeks to Jesus, and Jesus addresses them, and he addresses the other Jews surrounding him, and he addresses us this morning. Jesus talks cosmically. God speaks audibly, and Jesus instructs generally. Jesus talks globally about his crucifixion, declaring that his death will drive out the ruler of this world. Now, Christians conceive of Jesus' victory over evil from a variety of perspectives. Uh, The Bible does not go into great detail about evil. The Bible is mainly about God and our relationship with God. It doesn't seek to help us to understand how evil operates in the world. It seeks to to encourage us that Christ defeats evil. So how does his death defeat evil and his resurrection defeat evil? Well, from one perspective, uh, Jesus dies. And as he dies, he descends into hell. He goes into the devil's territory and defeats evil there and then rises to victory as he rises from the dead. From another perspective, Jesus' atoning sacrifice on the cross is the defeat of evil. Everything that separates us from God is removed in Christ's atoning sacrifice for us. Evil's whole plan is to remove us from God. The cross, therefore, destroys evil's plan because nothing separates us from God anymore. Another aspect of evil's defeat is the descent of the Holy Spirit upon believers. We are empowered by the very Spirit of God. No power of hell can overcome us. You and I are not subject to evil. We are not under the thumb of evil. We are not ruled by evil. Because of Christ's sacrifice and the descent of the very presence of God into our lives, we are not subject to evil. We overcome that. We are empowered, not powerless. We're children of God, not tools of the devil. However you conceive of this, uh, and there are probably four, five, six more ways you can conceive of it. The point that Jesus makes is what's most important. The point is evil loses and Christ wins. Jesus' death also draws all people to him. There is a cosmically magnetic attraction to Jesus and his death on the cross. 
Jesus, God in flesh, loves us so much that he was born. This is how much God loves us, right? He was born. He, he was born so that he could tell us with words that we could understand God is that he loves you. And then he loves us so much that he died so that we don't have to. So that we could live in unity with God. This life, this death is so magnetic. It is so attractive to all people. Christ's death is for everyone. It is universal. It is sufficient for all. His love is for all. His appeal is for all. No one is excluded except those who exclude themselves. And then God speaks audibly. If you're frustrated as I am sometimes that God is a whisperer, if that, uh, be consoled that God only spoke audibly in Christ's life three times. As Jesus rose from the baptismal waters, God's voice rang out, this is my son whom I love. As Jesus was transfigured uh, on the mountain, and as some of his disciples were there and they were being kind of silly, Jesus said the same thing. He, he said, this is my son whom I love. And because the disciples were being kind of silly, the, the voice said, listen to him. <laughs> this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Stop talking. <laughs> listen to him. And now this is it. This is it. This is the third time and only time that, that heaven uh, speaks, that God speaks to Jesus audibly. When Jesus says, Father, glorify your name. Jesus and everybody else is surprised when, when, when heaven is rendered and, and, and this voice says, I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. God says that, that, that his name has been glorified. And his name will be glorified again. God has been glorified in, in the life of Jesus and his teaching and in, in the miracles that he has done and in, in the message that he has given. And God's name will be glorified again as Jesus takes up the cross, dies, rises, and ascends. The people's response is fascinating. The people's response is, is, is very eye-opening, I think. Some say they heard thunder. Uh, lightning must have struck because that sounded a whole lot like thunder. Others say, hey, an angel of the Lord has, has, has spoken to Jesus. No one says it was God. In a way, these two responses from the people represent naturalism and spiritualism quite nicely. A problem that has existed for millennia and that still exists today. The naturalists try to explain the extraordinary and the impossible, if you will, by, by explaining it. It was thunder. Lightning had to have struck because we heard this thunder. That's what that was. And the spiritualists have been trying to explain 
with spiritual formulations, their own sort of understanding of the inexplicable for an equal amount of time. An angel spoke. Our highest conception of reality cannot contain the reality that God spoke. That God spoke. Our highest explanation of all that is, our natural explanation, our our blessed scientific explanations that, that delve into the extraordinary beauty and mystery of all that is fall short. Because at the center there is God. Our spiritualizing and our explanation of, of the way God works and the, and the way angels work and what heaven's going to look like and all of this stuff, it is fumbling and bumbling because God. Because God is higher than and deeper than and wider than all of our words and all of our understandings. What if God, no one, is recorded here as saying, what if this father that Jesus continually prays to and just then said, Father, glorify your name. What if God, instead of claiming to understand based on naturalism or spiritualism, can we possibly leave room for God? What would that look like for us? Jesus talks cosmically, God speaks audibly, and then Jesus instructs generally. The first instruction Jesus gives is not necessarily purposeful, but it is informative and very helpful. In verse 27, Jesus says, My soul is troubled. In the face of his path to death on a cross, Jesus says, I'm scared. I'm depressed. I'm unsettled. It should liberate us completely that Jesus experienced normal human emotion in the face of God's instruction to go, And to die. Jesus got depressed, sad, and troubled. Jesus didn't want to die. It was going to be terrible. So he says, my soul is troubled. And what should I say? He says, Father, save me from this hour. No, I I know, I know that it's for this very hour that I have come. So what will I say? Father, glorify your name. In spite of my emotions, in spite of my depression, anxiety, uh, angst, troubledness, sadness, fear, I will obey. I will do what you are calling me to do, God. I confess that uh, sometimes I am a slave to my emotions. Uh, anybody else sort of feel that way sometimes? Like I, 
I want to feel good. <laughs> I want to feel okay. And when I don't feel okay, I insist that something must be wrong. This text is extremely liberating. Jesus didn't feel okay, and nothing was wrong. Jesus didn't feel okay. And he was absolutely on the path that God wanted him to be on. It's okay to feel what we feel. But we must not be enslaved by our feelings. Father, glorify your name. In other gospel portrayals of Jesus' troubledness before the cross, the the authors have him praying in Gethsemane. Uh, John doesn't record that moment in Jesus' life. Uh, He has him keeping vigil and praying and, and, and just really wrestling with God over this. What should I say? Take this cup from me? No, not my will, but thy will be done. I wonder if there's stuff we need, to re- we need to wrestle with God over. What do you need to wrestle with God about? What do you, what do you need to just look in the face and, 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 and wrestle out with God? The other instruction Jesus gives is, is far more intentional. He says, the light is with you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light so that the darkness may not overtake you. If you walk in the darkness, you do not know where you are going. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become children of the light. His instructions to the people standing around him was very, very simple. I'm only going to be here for a little while longer. (laughs) Walk according to me for that time. I mean, look on me. Walk with me. Believe in the light. Become children of light. Stay with me. Stay close. So the darkness will not overtake you. Now, although Jesus has gone to the Father uh, physically, uh, this text is still extremely informative for us today because God has sent His Spirit, His omnipresentness to us. So that we can walk according to the light, even though Jesus is bodily with the Father. We can stay with Jesus. We can stay near his presence, near his light. We can also stay near one another. Um, there is a sense that, that, that we are, I, I fear we are losing in, 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 in our world today, in our culture today, and that is that you and I reflect a Christ's light to one another. I need you. I need you. You need each other. You need me. We need the reflected light that we shine from Christ, one for the other. It is one of the ways in which we stay near Christ is by staying near to one another. Jesus invites us to make our life, to make our life in Christ's light. We can live this day based on Jesus' life and death 
and resurrection. This text contains a diversity of messages uh, for us, doesn't it? Um, it, It's really kind of at least threefold. Um, What questions strike you this morning? What is the message that, that hits home for you this morning? When, when God speaks audibly um, and the crowd explains it as thunder or the voice of an angel, um, are we trying to explain things? Are we trying to understand things, to be the master of, of things? Or, or are we leaving the possibility that God is and that God is above it all and over it all? What would it be like to live in the mystery of God's presence and activity instead of the false security of our own understanding and our own explanation? What would it be like to whisper God's name in good times and bad times, knowing he's here? Jesus goes to the cross in inner turmoil. He's troubled, scared, depressed, I wonder if our next step, if your next step in this life of following Jesus involves emotions that you don't want to have. Can we be obedient in spite of these emotions? Can we trust God's will is best even if it doesn't feel good? Jesus invites us to walk in his light. To walk in his light and according to his light. Every walk, every walk is just one step and then another step and then another step. What does the step before you look like this morning? Let's pray together. Father, we sit in communal silence before you. Yielded to your will above our will, to your thoughts above our thoughts. Lord, we confess that we have not uh, we've not succeeded in every way this week uh, or even farther back, Lord. And so we we desire the forgiveness that comes from you, Lord. We desire to experience and know unity with you, God. 
And so we lay before you the, the garbage, the thoughts, the words, the actions, or the good things that we've left undone, Lord. Hear our silent confession. And now lead us, God, please. God, as we are taking just one step at a time, because that's all we can do, lead us. Thank you for your presence with us. Let your will be done, Jesus. Amen. Amen.